Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and here's another podcast recommendation for you. It's called Independent Thought and Freedom with Dr. Kirk Migu. On the podcast, Kirk interviews all kinds of interesting people about their interesting and sometimes controversial ideas. You can find Independent Thought and Freedom on Apple Podcasts and pretty much every other podcast app. I encourage you to subscribe. The following episode is from Independent Thought and Freedom. I hope you enjoy it. And machine learning fairness corrects the algorithmic unfairness and makes it uh, adjust for reality and produces results that reflect the reality that should be, according to them, rather than the reality that is. So I call this a kind of uh, algorithmic affirmative action PC policing is really what's going on. If if people like uh, 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 Ocasio-Cortez and and Bernie Sanders were really a threat to the system, they would not be getting so much publicity. Welcome to another episode of Independent Thought and Freedom, where we have conversations with some of the most interesting people around the world who are shaking up politics, society, economies, and ideas. We've had some amazing guests on this program, including The Saker, Paul Craig Roberts, Sheikh Imran Hussein, E. Michael Jones, Cynthia McKinney, and more. If you'd like to support us to reach our next goal, of actually putting together live events where we bring some of my best guests side by side on one stage, please consider becoming a monthly subscriber on Patreon. You'll find the link below. Also, if you are an author or researcher with important ideas to share with the world and want to have a greater impact, I'm offering a free masterclass, three steps on how to leverage your intellectual authority to become a media personality. The link for that class is in the description as well. And now, on to this week's show. Welcome to Independent Thought and Freedom. The internet has changed. When it started, it explicitly had the values of libertarianism and free thinking. It was dedicated to the free flow of information. Then something happened. The internet is now a place of surveillance, of thought police, of censorship, of conformity. How and why did this change occur? I'm pleased to have today my friend, Michael Rechtenwald, author of a new book called The Google Archipelago, The Digital Gulag, and the simulation of freedom. Welcome back, Michael. Hi, Kirk. Thanks for having me. Good. So, how's your book promotion going? It's going pretty well. I'm getting a lot of press and uh, a big uh, story in the Epoch Times, and uh, and uh, actually uh, two or three stories in the Epoch Times and some other media. So it's it's doing well, but uh, you could always do better. So. Yeah. If your viewers want to know what's going on in uh, terms of uh, big digital, as I call it, and what the politics are and why, um, I think the book does a good job explaining it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've given some some great interviews already. You know, I've I've taken a look at a couple of them, and uh, well, um, I mean, has 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 anything surprised you during this promotional tour? Because I, I see one, you know, some interviews interviewers are gener 
genuinely surprised at the insights you know you've generated uh, in the yes. book. Yeah. Yeah, I've had uh, people just say that they the book blew their mind or shook them to the core. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Um, and um, the uh, it's also elicited the you know the Google uh, whistleblower. Uh, Zach Voris has contacted me and uh, we're going to be working on a project soon uh, to further expose Google and what they're about. Uh, so, you know, Google Archipelago is definitely out there and um, it's, it's a nest, I think it's an, uh, a required reading for understanding all this, but I mean, go, I'm going to go far, further with it too. Well, that's excellent. Let, let's start off, I mean, with the origins of the book even. I, I, I would say it's very much connected to your backstory at New, NYU yeah. when you were a professor there and then, and then even your political transition. For, I mean, you were on before uh, about nine months ago, episode five. For, uh, I urge everybody to check it out. It was a great interview. But, but let's fill people in who maybe haven't seen that. Uh, so just tell me about you know, the, the boxer, NYU, and your political transition sure. that sort of led to all of this. Sure. In the fall of 2016, um, I started a Twitter account called Anti-PC NYU Prof. And uh, that, that, um, that, that uh, handle became uh, sort of infamous very quickly. Um, I got attention from uh, an NYU student newspaper reporter. And I did an interview for, for the newspaper, the Washington Square News, and after that interview ran, I actually revealed myself as the person behind this tw Twitter handle, mm -hmm. anti-PCNYU-prof. Then uh, within 48 hours, all, all hell broke loose. Uh, I was uh, quickly and roundly uh, condemned by uh, colleagues, uh, a committee calling themselves the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group. Uh, they roundly condemned me for my views. All I had done was criticized uh, uh, no uh, bias reporting hotlines, no platforming of speakers, uh, safe spaces, and uh, uh, trigger warnings. And for that, just for that, I was, I was condemned, called morally a reprobate and things like that. And then... Uh, also, within 48 hours of that interview appearing, I was put on a paid leave of absence. Right. Uh, and the suggestion was that I, I needed it for my mental health. <laughs> and they sort of suggested it, I must be crazy for uh, criticizing social justice and the university policies and so forth. Yeah. And um, then the story was picked up real quickly by the New York Post. And after that, it just went viral. Right. And uh, the rest is history. You can go to michaelrechtenwald.com and go to the media page there and you'll see all the news that has ensued so, ever since. So it's, it's kind of like a combination of uh, digital, um, like your, the implications of, of your digital activities in your career, your, your professional life, and, and so forth. Now, you, you were a communist first, right? Were you a member of the Communist Party? I was, uh, at, at the time that I came out and critiqued social justice, I was a left communist. 
a member of a group uh, called Insurgent Notes and um, a writer for them and also other uh, websites and other periodicals publishing uh, socialist screeds, if you will. Yeah. And um, in analysis from a Marxist perspective, I mean, uh, you know, in the academy, you've got to be some sort of leftist or other. Yeah. And, uh, Marxism seemed to be the, the best one for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and because uh, I couldn't be a queer theorist or something like that. <laughs> uh, so, um, but after after that Twitter uh, after that Twitter escapade and the uh, the sort of uh, vitriolic response that I received, and then. After this thing went viral, I mean, I was attacked on uh, by thousands of leftists. I was ejected from that communist group. Um, they basically held like a cyber uh, trial in which they, you know, put me up for charges of, uh, of various sorts, for example, appearing on Fox News and, and other sorts of uh, violations, I guess. Right. Uh, basically, I was, you know, basically given a, a cyber show trial in effect uh, and uh, ejected and then attacked by thousands and thousands of leftists online and off. Um, I was, uh, when I came back from the leave of absence, I was uh, shunned by my entire faculty uh, in my department, uh, over a hundred faculty members. Um, then uh, towards the end of that smart first semester back, I was attacked in a series of blistering emails in which they called me everything from alt-right to Satan to short pants white devil right. and fragile white male, uh, all kinds of racist and sexist uh, epithets they hurled at me uh, while calling me a sexist and a racist. Yeah. So, um, which is exactly what the left does, you know. Yeah. Uh, they project quite a bit. And I don't know if it's unconscious or what. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, anti-political correctness, you know, comes from the right mainly. Right. But, but it's, it's interesting that when you started it and you started that Twitter handle, you said you were, you were a left communist. So yeah. Could you kind of uh, just elaborate that a bit? Because, you know, most people say, oh, it's all these, you know, racist alt-right people that... Uh, yeah. That, that critique well, political correctness, but you were coming from the left. Yeah, that's right. I thought, I, you know, first of all, I've always been a critic of identity politics. Yeah. And I find it to be a regressive sort of leftism. And um, I've always criticized it for being uh, a blind alley and a way of uh, sort of uh, dividing up uh, the left and putting people into various identity categories and splintering them off into endless uh, you know, division and also then putting them into competition with each other for the most subordinated trophy in yeah. the, you know, in the oppression Olympics. Um, and, you know, after, so I was, but when I came out against social justice, everybody attacked me. Yeah. Communists, uh, people that had been my friends, I had a lot of communist friends. Every one of them had, in the end finally rejected me. Yeah, wow. um, and the left showed me like they were very much consolidated and circling the wagons, you know, with the resistance of Trump. And anybody that sounded even remotely like they were coming from the other side was 
had to be condemned and had to be uh, ejected and uh, and attacked. Uh, you know, because if you didn't attack them, then maybe you were one of them as well. So this is how they work in a pack and attack mobs. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I said, you know what? I I'm out of here. I, I don't want anything to do with the left anymore at all. Yeah, yeah. And I basically resigned. I sent in my leftist badges back to the headquarters. And uh, <laughs> I uh, basically said, I'm out. You know, forget it. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Um, then, you know, I just started developing a whole different politics. And uh, I just started, started to reject, you know, mass politics basically altogether. Right. Uh, and, um, and developed into a sort of civic, civil and cultural libertarian. Mm -hmm. And uh, since have been an invited speaker uh, by the Mises Institute to speak to, you know, major conferences uh, as they're basically one of their lead speakers talking about uh, social justice and how it conflicts with uh, civil and cultural libertarianism. Uh, yeah. I've, basically, I've, I've feared towards economic libertarianism too. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been quite a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, of ideologically interesting stuff and theoretically interesting stuff you, you, you brought there, but let's reapproach it by going through your book. Because, okay. um, because I think your book is, is very important and, and it, it, touches, it touches on all these things. Because I said your personal story, you know, is, is very... Yeah, I, I, should, I should mention that I wrote one, uh, uh, another book before this called Springtime for Snowflakes. Right. Which documents my whole movement and political transmutation and also then goes into the deep history of uh, what I see as the roots of social, this new social justice creed in postmodern theory and uh, Soviet and uh, Sino-communist theory as well and practice. Yeah. So, you know, springtime for snowflakes is that story. Yeah. Then we can, but we can then go into Google Archipelago, sure. Yeah, yeah, because, um, because it's, it's extremely relevant and, and it's also personally relevant to me. I mean, I, I've just been permanently uh, banned from, uh, from a Facebook ad account, so I can't do any posting or paid boosting. Um, I, I've been banned several times on Facebook, 30-day bans and all that. And my YouTube channel, I, I was banned for a while, and then uh, then it was lifted, and I'm definitely shadow banned. And so there, uh, so yeah. all this stuff is is definitely going on. So yeah. so let let's um, so the Google archipelago, the yeah. right, the, what's What's the, let's look at the outline and the implications. Yeah. So, so what's the argument you're laying out here? Well, let's start with the title. It's always a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, my titles have been basically little bombs, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's a brilliant title. Oh, thank you. Uh, so it's an obvious play on Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago. The Gulag Archipelago. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, the idea here is that, like the Soviet Gulag system, the Google archipelago, for which Google stands as an emblem for all of big digital, uh, Google archipelago is a kind of uh, digital gulagging uh, that I see being, you know, intensified, expanded, uh, 
and basically metastasizing more and more broadly and penetrating more and more deeply by the day or by the minute, really. So what happened in the gulag system that's like what's going on in, in the digital gulag of the Google archipelago? Mm-hmm. People are being disappeared just as they were in the Soviet Union, disappeared and sent into camps uh, just as in the Google archipelago, people are being erased, deleted, digitally disappeared. Yeah. Uh, people's uh, ideology is being surveilled uh, just as it was in the Soviet Union. If you said something that was wrong or something that disagreed with the party line or anything like that, you could be either shot or sent to the gulag. Similarly today, just as you've mentioned in your own case, if you meant if you have a perspective that's not approved of by the uh, leftist authoritarians that are running the internet, then the same thing will happen to you in a digital way. Mm-hmm. You'll be digitally, you're being digitally surveilled upon. Your opinions are being monitored. Uh, you're being deplatformed in different places and also basically erased in uh, in the end for some people. For example, you saw the four major so-called alt-right or right-wing people that were uh, deplatformed from Facebook, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, Alex Jones, uh, Laura Loomer, and uh, one other. Farrakhan. Who was it? Farrakhan. Oh, Farrakhan. They put him in the same bundle with Farrakhan, which I thought was a real slap on the face to them because there isn't a racist, sexist, or... Uh, homophobe or alt-right person among these people, yet they were accused of hate, yeah. of being leaders of, of a hate of organization. Yeah. Hate organization. is not alt-right in any way, shape, or form. No, he's not alt-right, <laughs> but he is the leader of a hate group, right? In his case, you know, he is very, very much an anti-Semite. But these other people have not exhibited anything to that extent. To that extent yeah and in fact laura loomer and but well, i don't know about the case of milo sometimes he says yes sometimes no well, but, milo uh, is just a joker i mean he's a comedian you know yeah yeah, yeah. A comedian who's been silenced and as you see digitally erased and disappeared but laura loomer is jewish you know what i mean yeah that's right and, so, and milo has said he is but i'm not exactly sure about he's right i'm not sure about that either and, yeah but he's definitely gay and he's married to a black man. Yeah, exactly. And so, he's, you know, can't, so, certainly can't be a, a homophobic. And if he's racist, he's a strange one. Yeah. Uh, which he's always joked about. Uh, he says uh, he's been called racist, sexist, misogynist, uh, anti-Semitic, and so forth. He says, and Islamophobic. And he'll say, jokingly, the only one true is Islamophobic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't even know what to make of that. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it, it. But so the the thing is that um, so he, okay, so so we have this this phenomenon here, and and yeah. what what you're doing is is not only talking about uh, internet censorship. That's right. But you're you're also talking about the uh, you're kind of taking the postmodern a kind of Baudrillardian idea about simulation that's right and the simulation i take the notion of simul of the simulacrum of uh, john baudrillard whose book simulations was about how uh basically postmodern life was like a 
a production of sim simulations, right? Yeah. And that we're not living in the quote unquote real anymore. Yeah. And in fact, I'm arguing in the book that the digital giants are producing or attempting to produce similarly a simulation, which they then try to uh, fob off on us as reality. Yeah. And not, I'm saying that, you know, forget about fake news. That, that, that's, that's minor compared to fake reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And fake reality is what's trying to be pawned off on us. Mm -hmm. It's not just a fake news. It's a it's a fake reality about which fake news is then generated. Yeah, uh, and I talk about this in the book's conclusion and uh, in connection with this organization known as New Knowledge, uh, which is really new nescience, uh, new non knowledge, new idiocy, new insanity. Um, and I'll leave I'll leave uh, it open. To let the reader look into that. All right. Uh, get into everything I say there, but it's basically the idea is that uh, they're, they're, uh, the digital giants are together producing a digital simulacrum uh, and then suggesting that anyone who differs from it or differs with it is, is, is uh, a hate. Yeah. Basically engaged in hate or something. Or in like your that. case, mentally disturbed, right? Mentally yeah. disturbed. That's right. Which is the same oh. thing like the, the cultural revolution, uh, Mao Zedong, you know, if, you know, and then you have to, then you have to make your public apologies for, right. oh, I am so sorry for going against the party line or, you know. Yes. We're living in a, in a, in a culture, a soft cultural revolution right now. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and this is uh, very much the same sorts of things. All the four olds are being taken down and, the um uh you know everything to do with uh historical memory uh uh cultural legacies uh all of these things are under attack uh western culture is deemed evil um and you know white supremacist and misogynist and every other possible thing you can think yeah. of um so yeah um the book also is arguing that there's a new kind of dominant ideology and politics that are underway and it's called corporate socialism right uh and what i mean by corporate socialism is a you know what is socialism if not monopolization right yeah monopolization of the means of production and also of the state and the, also of the ideological apparatuses uh, by a singular state uh, a party-run state. Today, what we see is a kind of corporate socialism in which these giant corporate monopolists attempt to produce a, what I call a two-tiered system in which there's the monopolies on the top and actually existing socialism for everybody else. Right, right. This is what the object is. This is why I argue that people like, like, if, if people like uh, 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 Ocasio-Cortez and, and Bernie Sanders were really a threat to the system, they would not be getting so much publicity. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. they aren't. I think they're actually unwitting dupes, spreading an ideological socialism on the ground so that the population begins to worry about only equality amongst this second tier. Correct, correct. That's the only thing that matters while actually reducing the expectations of everyone within that sphere 
as long as it's equal, they think everything's fine, despite the fact that there's monopolization of everything uh, by these corporate giants. And as long as these corporate giants are spitting back to these people the rhetoric that they want to hear, the woke capitalist rhetoric, uh, you know, making them feel better about themselves and the world at large because their, reflect, their values are being reflected back to them, as long as that's going on, they're not even noticing the overall structure of what's happening. Yeah, because I, I think it ties into your critique when you were a left communist. And, and, and I know, especially on the IMN network, which I'm, I'm newly on and, and this is being broadcast, and you know, there are, it's a, a lot of left-wing people, Green Party, uh, and there might be a lot of libertarian socialists um, listening, yeah. which is very different from state socialism, which is yeah. what I think you're referring to. Um, That's right. I was a libertarian socialist. Right. Exactly. Yeah. People you know, say I, that's a contradiction, but not within socialism. I mean, they, there's this division and this, this actual position, you know, which is justifiable within socialist thought. Yeah. Like uh, Emma Goldman and, uh, right. know, yeah, and it, uh, it, it goes to, to that branch of, of right. Even the Spanish Revolution. Um, no, know. but I would argue with them now is that I thought that such a socialist, uh, such a socialism could elude the statism uh, of like of what came of the Soviet Union and China and so on and so forth. But I don't believe that anymore. I don't think it can elude that statism. It definitely depends upon it, and yeah. it really can't. There is no withering away of the state. In fact, it has to. Inf it has to actually become fortified and extended and magnified, and it, it can't ever wither away to maintain socialism. Socialism has to be maintained by force. Right, right. I know. I, I mean, to, uh, when you were talking about as a left communist, uh, you yeah. were anti-PC and against identity politics. I think I, right. you know, I, I've heard other progressive. Um, you know, justify it from, from their perspective. And, and I think it's, it's I can't, I might, it might have been Brendan O'Neill from Spiked or it could be someone else. And you talk about, you know, you can talk about every single identity except class, right? So right. basically right. That, that's, so you're leaving, you know, so people worship Steve Jobs and Apple. <laughs> right. It's, it's really ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, but it's interesting because, the same sort of contradiction, I would argue, was it is actually exists within socialism, state socialism. And that is, again, there's this failure to notice that you have a basic, the dictatorship is not of the, of the proletariat. The dictatorship is always of the, of the state leaders. And the, in, in, in the case of the Soviet Union and China, it's the party the party which dictates everything and which has its own elite, which is an elite, which is a ruling class, which is an exploitative class, which is all of the things that socialism is supposed to eradicate, right. but never can or never does. And in fact, strangely intensifies because what happened in the Soviet Union with the Gulag system, it, it was a system of forced slave labor, yeah. slave labor, slavery, no money, no That's money, right. <laughs> <laughs> no wages. Okay, so not wage slavery, but real slavery. <laughs> uh, right. uh, you know, it's just unbelievable that 
the left has gotten away with so much criminality and is, has been unbelievably not called out for it and yeah. still works itself um, and manages to parade itself around as the default no-fault ideology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, you talk about leftist authoritarianism a lot. Yeah, you yeah. want to elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's, it's a kind of dictatorial leftism which is enforced uh, by virtue of... Uh, it, 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 first of all, leftism when it's become, is, is t it tends towards authoritarianism. But anyway, what I mean by left authoritarianism is there's this notion that there's, there's no question of being right. There's no question about the, the idea that, that the left is right, that their views are absolutely correct. There's no doubt about them, and anybody who disagrees must be a monster. Yeah. Uh, and so then, then it's enforced as if it's correct, and then it, it's necessarily authoritarian at that point. Yeah. Because uh, it, it takes upon itself, it arrogates to itself this authority to enforce its values above it. You can see it with Antifa, yeah. which I think should be pronounced Antifa, but whatever. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. With your Antifa, <laughs> you can see the authoritarianism there. They imagine themselves to be anti-fascist, but they're much closer to fascism than, than the people they object to. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's, agree. Like, yeah good yeah and 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 we see this leftist authoritarianism in google like like for instance in, oh, in yeah. my bands all the time right, uh, right. you have no recourse you have no right, right. you have to right. guess at what policy you violated right exactly. they won't tell you right I, you know i and i've shot back at them and i said you know this is kafka-esque i mean you know this, this right. is insane what kind of you know what you this billion dollar company what what type of kangaroo court are you are you running here let's, I mean, let's, yeah let's talk about the issue of algorithm <laughs> what they're calling algorithmic unfairness right for example and how what this is and what they're trying to do and then what they do to re rectify it Okay, algorithmic unfairness in their ter in term is, is really the way algorithms would give results that would be unfair from their standpoint, according to their ethos. Right. That is, if you search, for example, uh, for American CEOs, and it gives you back uh, a disproportionate number of men as the CEOs of corporations, even if that's the, the, the fair sampling yeah. of, of reality. White men on top of that, yeah. What's that? I, yeah, I what said was that? White, white men on top of that. Even worse. <laughs> They're calling with machine learning fairness. And machine learning fairness corrects the algorithmic unfairness and makes it uh, adjust for reality and produces results that reflect the reality that should be, according to them. Right. rather than the reality that is. So I call this a kind of uh, algorithmic affirmative action PC policing is really what's going on. Yeah. And uh, they're doing this on and on. So uh, yeah, it, it's really like creating a simulated reality, like what you're talking exactly about. Exactly right. It's a simulation that they're trying to produce. And they say that they say that they would in, they intervene. And this was revealed in the documents that were exposed by Zach Horius and Project Veritas, and they show that they admit straight up that 
they are trying to make a better world according to their values. And they have no bones about actually producing results that are more like the world as it should be according to them than the world as it is. Yeah. And it's like the movie, the matrix, like, yes. actually like, 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 like a, the, the precursor that agent Smith was telling, uh, um, well, what's his name? Neil. Cause you yeah. think how, you know, so it, it's like now they're building this matrix world. And I remember agent Smith telling Neil that, um, we built a perfect world for you guys. But you right. hated it, so we had to build this. Um, this is perfect. But right now, the, you know, these idiots are are in the process of building their perfect, their so-called perfect they're, world. They're trying to produce a matrix that is perfect according to their values. That's right. And then they're trying to shove it down our throats as reality. And if we reject it, we're disappeared. Yeah. I mean, they not only then they have blacklists, you know. Yeah. To talk about they have blacklists where they blacklist certain sites from showing up in news feeds, mm -hmm. uh, and they're also relegated. You know, the, the, there's a ranking system for search results that are supposed to be based on certain criteria that are fixed yeah. and effectively neutral. How many sites link to it? How many hits does it get? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. This is the ranking. Well, they have altered that ranking using superimposed algorithmic adjustments. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, first of all, they have blacklists that delete certain uh, websites from ever showing up. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, fake news uh, sorting, which is disproportionately by a long shot uh, biased against right-leaning or non-leftist sites, and, and on and on and on. They just, yeah. and YouTube, for example, has uh, similar adjustments they make. Yeah, because even if you type in my name and the and the title of the podcast, my podcast won't show up. But mirrors and other things, uh, you know. So thankfully, wow. you know, we, this is going to be on a, a, on the IMN network instead of my own channel. But if, if my own channel with so my name, the title of this podcast, my podcast won't show up. But the mirrors will. It's amazing. Wow! Yeah. Wow! That's bizarre. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's really because you've been you've been uh, they're trying to digitally erase you and treat treat you as fake news. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're not even purveying news; you're, you're purveying editorial content. That's but right. That's right. They don't care. For example, YouTube. When a Slate reporter went on to YouTube and tried to find videos about abortion, uh, the predominant uh, top videos were anti-abortion or pro-life they this person this reporter uh, uh, complained to youtube i.e alphabet i.e google um and within a weekend this was rectified uh, by virtue of putting it on a particular putting that search on a particular file yeah that adjusts for that the search results such that yeah pro-life or anti-abortion searches were now, you know, debunked and put much lower in the search and the top 10 now are pro-abortion. Are, uh, are you familiar with, um, with the story of Tay AI and some of the Google, uh, the artificial intelligence uh, bot, bot they had on Twitter? Um, I don't know about that, actually. They, what, basically, so, so they, they had this experiment think like 2012 2014 something okay. like that and um on twitter where they had this bot that was going to learn by interacting with uh with people 
and become and supposed to be like you know one of the definitions people had of uh, artificial intelligence is that if you had a conversation and you couldn't tell if it was a real person yeah right the Turing test yeah yeah right so so it was going to be something like that and what this computer came back with I I don't know if a lot of 4chan trolls were like screwing around with it but but coming up with stuff that you know they were you know saying we're racist and and then they had to just shut the thing down in like in like 24 hours they, they got <laughs> um this bot to spew things that were just totally um you know anti-pc and it, you know and, and in the uh, hip language of the alt-right and stuff it's oh my god quite funny very and, that's hilarious so it started learning uh, yeah. It started learning the language and the vocabulary and the perspective of of the enemy for Google. That's right. right. For, and for, and yeah. the same thing happened with Google image search. Um, you know the, the 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 images were were, were bringing up um, you know politically incorrect things with uh, with different searches, and so yeah. they kind of realized well we can't let it learn naturally because because uh, right. as as you're saying you know. The natural world is unjust. So what it's we unjust. They can't have the natural world reflected in their results. They yeah. cannot have it. It has to be changed, and it has to be changed according to their criteria because they are necessarily right because mm -hmm. they're authoritarian, PC authoritarians, right? Yeah. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Now you know there are so many, so many dimensions to this that I, you know, even you know, I, I tried to get a container big enough that effectively yeah. stands for everything, but there's no way I could, yeah. I could delineate every last thing. Exactly. It's just, it's too much. I couldn't yeah. do it. it. It was so overwhelming writing this book because there's, it's an endless, it's a bottomless pit. Yeah. I mean, which is why, you know, you, you, you have to continue it in, in series after series. Yes. We're going to go on with this and the next book is going to be more like a complete, catalog plus analysis of everything they're doing yeah wow yeah because i mean and and there's a there's a couple and as, as you said in in the preface to your book um you know as you know unlike some of your earlier books where you're talking about the 19th century the subject yeah. matter is 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 still and it's, it's basically fixed it's not going to change right yeah <laughs> whereas what you're right while you're writing it things are changing you know constantly so like for example things happened after I, you know, I was luckily, luckily the Project Veritas expose came just while I was in the middle of writing this. Yeah. And I was able to include that and it just validated everything I was arguing. Uh, thank goodness, because, you know, how I'm still getting people saying that I'm a left wing, I'm, I'm not a left wing, I'm an anti-left wing conspiracy theorist. Yeah. No, uh, there's a, I'm still being attacked by the left. Yeah. Uh, in, in particular on Amazon uh, in the reviews for this book. So if you do get the book and you're not a leftist, please do review it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I mean, it's, and the, of course, Amazon is tilted in the same way and they're Google's partner. I mean, for example, I mean, if you type in the letter A in a Google search, the first, before you even fill it out, the, you get a completion uh, of the of the word to Amazon. So why is that? I mean, there's certainly yeah. more things that are that's begin with right. the letter A than Amazon, but it is the first thing that's autofilled by I'm, the Google algorithms. And what's amazing is that um, you know there was a recent uh, 
Economist article and, uh, and, and Andrew Yang has, has been on this campaign too, that, um, you know, about big data and, mm -hmm. and data is now more valuable than oil, right? So, so yeah. these companies that um, harvest our data, yeah. you know, are now, I mean, they are now the richest companies, you know, in the world. Yeah. They, they are more valuable than the oil companies. Google. And the means by which they have acquired the data is, quest is, is dubious. Uh, despite all the disclaimers and agreements that you signed to go on different social media platforms, there's still something surreptitious about the way that data is, is collected. Yeah. And, uh, and the way and, it's and, used and whose property it is. And yeah, whose oh. property it is. You know, yeah. uh, my own data, data about me is not my property, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, you know, something was up when Google started with Google Books. I, I thought, you know, this is great. I can now look at these 19th century texts without going to England, where, yeah. where I was having to go. Excuse yeah. me, the U United Kingdom. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we must erase the word England from, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, with Scotland to... going and maybe Northern Ireland, who knows? <laughs> <We have no laughs> <choice. laughs> so, uh, the, uh, you know, I thought, you know, I thought, this is great. But on the other hand, I thought, you know, but who owns this? And they were putting their name on everything, you know? Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, it's scary because now you have digital text, you know, dominating and then, question about the originals underneath becomes an issue yeah whether, whether they're there whether they have been digitally changed is a question i think and whether in fact there is a ton of digital uh well there's a digital bias as to what gets yeah sized in the That's first right. place so we're getting again that world reflected to us that as 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 the google archipelago principles would have it yeah um, it, it, it's it's really amazing because i i mean i'm i'm oh, sorry all right i don't know i can't figure out how to get this off <laughs> sorry about that yeah uh, you know you you're you're old enough uh, obviously to to remember when the internet started and, and it was yes. a libertarian space it, the that's right ethos was, was cyberpunk kind of you know yeah perry barlow was one of the main uh you know theorists or you know of the internet and what it was supposed to be this this free you know non uh propertarian and mm. totally libertarian uh free expression uh um you know peer-to-peer -peer economics uh you know it would over that's what it was wasn't it i mean yeah it, i i remember i mean when it first started out it was, it was amazing it just opened up a whole world of information that had been suppressed and i was learning about things that while i was living through it was hidden from me you know yes. and, you know it was just amazing and it's this this transformation is is incredible it, it, if it's, I, it's I suppose the same, it's the same parallel it's parallel to the transformation that happened as i argue in the book in the Soviet Union, you Correct. Know, had the exact same propagandistic way that you referred to what was going to take place, this communitarian, uh, yeah. decentralized, uh, workers-owned, uh, yeah. egalitarian space, which becomes a centralized, dictatorial, um, 
uh, monopolistic. Yeah, it's kind of like Animal Animal Farm, which which parodies that very thing. Yes, Animal yeah. Farm is exactly like this, and of course, um, you know, 1984. And, oh and yeah, everything yeah. is you know everything is inverted, just as in the language. You know, war is peace. Uh, yeah, you know, truth is is falsity. Falsity is truth. Uh, just incredible uh, what's going on. And you know, what's been happening recently, and, and I think that, because um, I remember when you were, you know, just, you know, you had the original idea for the book and you were developing it, you know, oh. last year. But I, I think what's happened in the past year is that there's been a rise of, of progressives, right? Because, because this yes. show now is being, uh, uh, mostly the viewers are, are like progressives on, on the left. Yeah, and, which is interesting, right? And 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 I'm trying to break. Well, they call them. themselves progressive. I, I'd call them regressives, but right. yeah. No, but 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 there's a different sort. Like what yeah. I mean is like Tulsi Gabbard. What I mean. Oh, is okay, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. So not yeah, not the Hillary progressives, right? Right. Uh, yeah, more like the Bernie type progressives. Yeah. Uh, not the uh, yeah. authoritarian types. That's uh, right. Identitarian types. Yeah. And 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 they are also being censored by you know Google Google censored tools. That's true. That is true. There is, and this may be one blind spot in the book, which I am focusing most about how. Uh, the left, the authoritarian leftism of Google and the whole uh, big digital archipelago is anti-right, but they are also yeah. discriminatory no, against but, a certain very small sliver yeah. of leftism. But, I but I mean, I think you could be forgiven for that because that's the point I'm trying to make. Like a year ago when you were starting it and writing it, that didn't happen yeah. yet. Yeah, it hadn't happened yet. Yeah, no. they've started it now. Yeah, and I did say that uh, when I looked at the the treasure trove of a uh, hundred pages of documentation that uh, Zach Voorhees uh, exposed, does list certain progressive sites as also being delisted and blacklisted by Google. Yeah, so, so people that like, is true. Yeah, like Rania Kalik um, from I, I can't remember what her thing what her site is called, but but I know she has a lot of videos like you know, pro, uh, like anti, um, anti-US intervention in, in uh, Yes, that stuff is being squashed. I mean, look yeah. at the left now. And the, the BDS power, The left in power, they're, they're not, yeah. they're interventionists, they're, 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 um, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're war hawks, they're hawks, they're hawkish, yeah. and they're um, regime change uh, fanatics. Yeah. Uh, it's everything that they were supposedly opposed to, uh, they're against now. I mean, it's, yeah. of course, partly due to this Trump derangement syndrome. Absolutely. Every, that, I, and and that's Trump they have to oppose no matter what it is. You that's know? right. Trump, Trump could be a socialist tomorrow, and they would then oppose socialism. That's right. <laughs> no, exactly. That, that, but that's exactly the arbitrariness of the ideology, I think, is central. It's central. Yeah. Because, you know... Uh, I mean, again, like say within the past year from when you started, I mean, certainly I only recently discovered him is Jimmy Dore, the comedian. And I love him. I'm like addicted to his channel and his videos. He's hilarious. And he calls out the Democratic Party and all the hypocrisy. But he's like totally okay. on the left, right? Like oh. progressive, like anti-war, anti-cap, anti-corporate. -corp and he is being blocked by Facebook. 
he's being demonetized. Right? See, and, I, I regret that I didn't, uh, I, I think that I probably would be less prone to be called uh, ideologically biased if I had included things like that. But like, like you said, it really wasn't apparent yet. No, no, it, it, uh, wasn't, it wasn't happening at the time. And right. now we see it's like, you know, it's expanding and it's like eating, eating itself. And a lot of the people who may have been cheering on the, the deplatforming of Milo are, might be regretting it now. Oh, know? they are. I said that the Overton window will come down on the very necks of those who are, uh, you know, uh, closing it on others. Yeah. Uh, because they will, they will, they're sooner or later, their speech will be unacceptable as well. Exactly. You know, and, and this and, is what they don't get. Uh, it's mm -hmm. unbelievable. But. Yeah, and and it and it's really just you know the old. I I can't remember what the whole thing was. But first they came for the communists, but I wasn't right. communist, and then they isn't came. it funny though that the left seems so bent on curtailing uh, freedom of speech or free speech. Uh, for example, they do everything to talk about how limited. For example, in the U.S., the the First Amendment really is supposed. It really just limits to. It really just means that the government cannot encroach upon you. Exactly. Your... That's not true. Exactly. That's not true. It actually is the government must protect your speech. That's right. It isn't just about non-encroachment. They have, a, they have uh, it's incumbent upon the state to protect the speech of people, even when they're unpopular or especially when they are. It, 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 isn't it amazing that, that the, the, the left, and, and, and I think, I think it's best to call them the liberal left because he, because I, I call them anti-liberal, anti-liberal yeah. left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, you're you're right, you're you're right because um, what when I, I say, get what you're saying, they came from liberalism, but they're yeah. not liberals anymore. It, it, That's it, their provenance is the liberal class. Yeah, but they are really anti-liberal or illiberal. Like you know? what's that? Phil Oaks, you know Phil Oaks' song, um, "Love Me, I'm a Liberal." You, you know yes. that song? Yeah, yeah, very, very funny. Yeah, and uh, it be, uh, the, it's those people I'm talking about, like the right. I know it's the you know the liberals who the who so, you know leftists or socialists have hated forever. Yeah, that's right. As, that's... as more dangerous and pernicious than than the right, and I always said that too. Yeah, I always said that as a, as a communist that they were really worse. That's because right. They're hypocrites. For one, they're hypocrites, and you know they are disguising their domination under the uh, cloak of egalitarianism and under the cloak of, uh, 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 you know, under the cloak of a fake progressivism, you know? Yeah, 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 of, of niceness and, and, and all this right. stuff, yeah, you know, and, uh, and caring and, and, and when really right. they're, they're nothing of the kind, you know? And um, yeah, so, so I, I, I think that, so while this kind of, uh, it's a small sliver, as you say, this, this anti-war, anti-corporate yeah. progressives, which they identify. You know, because when I, you know, I'm listening to, to Jimmy Dore and his people and their perspective. And it's interesting because, I mean, so they're, say, they're calling um, like Hillary Clinton and, and you know, that um, what you'd be calling left. Uh, and liberal left, or maybe you wouldn't call her liberal, but, but, but what the mainstream would call liberal left. And so they are calling them right wing, right? So right, so right, so so they're saying Hillary is really a right wing conservative, and the Democratic Party, all these people, Biden and and Warren and all these people are just right wing neocon conservatives, 
And so, so there's a real difficulty of the terminology with, what, with what's going on today. And, and it's, it's an issue I've been sort of exploring with Cynthia McKinney, um, with these same uh, IMN network people, this whole left and right. And I'm not sure what the right, well, I think we have to discover uh, uh, the right terminology for it. Because, yes. Yeah. And, I've been and, saying, I've been calling them the illiberal left. Yeah. Uh, I also call, I think that the, the main movement today is the corporate socialism. That's right. You um, see, that, that there is so important. Because, I, because you see, like, even when you, you look at Jimmy Dore and these guys, right, and, and they're saying all oh, this is right wing, and, and, and they will not say, so, you see, it's a, the corporate thing is key. I think yeah. that is key. So you have anti-corporate people on the right, and people on the left don't understand that. They no, they don't get understand. that either. They don't get it. They, they, because the, um, the right, the anti-corporatists on the right, they see corporations as leftists in, in general because they're a collectivist, you know, all together. Right. It's a kind of collectivism which is, to, to the right, is a left phenomenon, right? Yeah. It's not about individuals. It's about this kind of... Uh, you know this kind of a colluding of a kind of and i'm going to use the word i don't care if i'll cabal yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i know that's a verboten term now uh from the anti the illiberal uh pc authoritarians yeah. you can't use the word cabal or you're a racist or yeah. i'm sorry anti-semite no it's what it is these are uh, they're you know they see it as a cabal of collectivists who um who use a corporatist collectivist a power to dominate and then also, of course, to dominate the state and get certain favors from the state and then use the state in their favor. They bolster the state. Right. And they use state power that they've bolstered in order to continue to bolster their position. Because so it's it, a hand-in-glove sort of situation. Crony capitalism is hardly different from, is hardly different from social, state socialism right it's very similar yeah it's the same it's just who is in charge that's right I mean, anthony sutton put this so well in his book uh about uh the uh, about the russian revolution he said that basically corporate socialists and state socialists differ only in the people who are wielding the po state the power Exactly. It's the same setup. It's just a different group. That's right. You know, and, and he shows how, in fact, the Soviet Union, the revolution and the Soviet, early Soviet Union was funded by these corporate monopolists. That's right. And, and, and exactly. And because a lot of the bankers in New York funded the, the they funded, Bolshevik They funded party. the Bolsheviks. This is so little known. They funded the bullshit. Why? They wanted monopolies. They also, first of all, it was a way to eliminate comp, com, potential competitors. Yeah. Because the uh, little known to most people was the Soviet Union was undergoing, or what became the Soviet Union, was undergoing a kind of industrial revolution, and it was merging as to uh, emerging with potential competitors to. Uh, Western and U.S. Yeah. Uh, corporate industrialism and, and industrialists and bankers. So they attempted to establish monopolies in the Soviet Union, and they did over a lot of things, uh, over uh, natural resources to yeah. a great extent. 
So, I mean, all this is very little known. And also there's this, uh, and this I want to get out there. There's this stupid idea that everybody that's, that there's no way that corporations can be leftist. This is a myth that has to be exploded once and yeah. for This is not true. Yeah. And, First and, of all, and it's, it's the, and I think what gets, what can, what ties people up is, is the terminology. Because it's when they terminology. Think, yeah. If they're using leftist ideology. That's right. To promote their agenda. That's and, right. Uh, for example, there was corporate socialism in the U.S. back at the turn of the century, of the 19th to the 20th century. Uh, King Camp Gillette was one of the main propounders of this. And he talked about achieving socialism through incorporation, through the monopolization of all production by corporation, which right. would become the state and the producer. What is that like? What does that sound like? Huh? Exactly. They own all production and they control the state. Wow, what does that sound familiar exactly. to? It sounds familiar to the Soviet Union and China. Yeah. Uh, I, you you uh, know what I think what might be a, a, a better term that could unite the dissident right and the dissident left? Something mm -hmm. like collectivist authoritarianism. Yeah, that could be right. Uh, collectivism is the key. Collectivism yeah. and authoritarianism. And authoritarianism together. Because there's a type of collectivism that the left, that could be free, which is yeah. like a left socialism. So, it could be. So, you know? Theoretically, anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's right. It's theoretical. But yeah. uh, so, so, so they're, they're wedded to, to the idea. And, and I understand that because when I, I was younger, I, I was very much on that side of the left. Uh, I mean, so, even, even today, to this point, even so-called anti-Soviet communists like who call you know anybody that was a stalinist a tanky and all that yeah even they apologize for the criminality of the soviet union and yes. they deny they deny they deny they deny they deny all of the uh criminality the horrendous uh, casualties of the uh, famines uh, you know state-induced famines and uh, political uh, imprisonment and, de uh, and murder and, uh, and on and on and on. I mean, they just, they deny the numbers. They yeah. make these specious comparisons to, to, you know, colonialism as if colonialism was, is tied to anything. Yeah. Any system at all. It's, it's not, it's just, yeah. you know, colonialism is, isn't necessarily tied to any system. And, and, and as you saw, the Soviet Union was colonialist as well. Yeah. That's where they got the term tankies from because they just, they took their tanks and they rolled them into Czechoslovakia and they took over through force. Right. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing particularly colonialist necessarily about capitalism or socialism. It depends on what they actually do. And um, it's just, it's so frustrating that even the so-called, even amongst the libertarian left, they oftentimes uh, apologize for and deny and try to uh, uh, deflect and also- Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, the crimes of communism and so forth. Yeah, they're very much trying to cover for and- um, Yeah, because they feel it will un undermine their own commitment to that's right. I mean, that it, it would it would undermine their own commitments, and it would uh, 
it would it would go along with the right argument that in fact you know every time socialism has been adopted anywhere anytime any country any i i think it's it's one of the distortions of tribalist thinking so that you know and and you know i but that's right these are your tribesmen so you can't condemn them that's that's right right. and you know in in looking at the parallels of the new york bankers funding the bolsheviks it's like george soros funding antifa he's funding antifa he's funding all kinds of wall street is is funding extinction rebellion right so yes the whole climate change thing is being funded by all these bankers because they want the carbon tax it's going to want the carbon tax and they want control over the population that's right you know and so so on the one hand you you have that how Crony capitalism and and state socialism are virtually indistinguishable. Yeah. And then, then, you know, so you also, you you know, you're speaking at places like the Von Mises Institute and stuff like that. Yes. Again, a lot of people on the left don't necessarily understand, but that vision of capitalism that the Von Mises uh, Institute had, which is people, you know, being free, having their own property, not being dominated by the state, anti-war right. anti- and being anti-monopolists you know that's right anti-state uh, supported monopolies uh and you know anti uh you know me you know anti-ingratiation of the state and vice versa by these yeah. corporate giants and again the the sort of ideal of of those radical individualist capitalists right and leftist socialists are hardly any different It's very difficult to distinguish. There's only one thing I think that really distinguishes them, and that is the belief that property is necessary for individual rights. That's right. And and I actually hold that view now. I don't think that there is any way to guarantee rights without property, at least because if nothing else, everybody has the property of their own person. Yeah. And without that, you're, there's no telling what could happen. Yeah, and without individual rights, you can roll over people with collectivism and say it's all for the good of the of the whole. Meanwhile, half the whole is just, <laughs> half the whole is killed. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah, French Revolutionary uh, conundrum of you know chopping off heads till there's none left. That's now right. you have your perfect state. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I exactly. I, I understand because when I was on the left too, I, I always thought, you know, like Proudhon, property is theft, property yeah. is, is, is oppression. It's a capitalist right. of the property that oppress the working class. And, and, and I couldn't get, oh, I could not understand the right-wing idea that property was freedom. It's really- yeah, and then you're taught, as a leftist, you're taught that any argument with this is just an ideology being spread by capitalists. And anybody yeah. that believes this is just duped by capitalist ideological indoctrination, which is not true, especially yeah. in my case. I didn't come to this through capitalist That's ideology. Right. I came to it through my own yeah. thinking and my own discovery and my own uh, development, you know, and the development yeah. of my thought. It, it's not like I came to this because somebody was paying me. I'm not getting paid to say any of this. That's right. And now, in, when I came to Trinidad and became politically involved and, and so forth, and, and the political party we were forming, which is an independent thing and fighting against all the elites. Now, we were, we were to be funded by a business that, that we were creating, and, and that was with that, 
the brainchild of my political um, partner. And now all the elites were against us, the political parties, the police, the whole state apparatus. Um, and it's only because of his ownership of private property you know i mean he he confronted the state that's the only thing that kept him from being destroyed that's right and he confronted the state and he would tell him listen you, if if you want to enter my property and take my property you're going to have to kill me and i mean it, it went it got to that kind of level you know but yeah, that's, that's I mean, what i realized that's the property. only thing protecting yeah. somebody like alex jones you know well, whatever right. you think of his views it's the only thing that is protecting him from a complete obliteration yeah, the fact that he has gained what some wealth through his uh, enterprises. That's right. And so, when, so I, I, the, I think the left um, needs to appreciate how property enhances freedom and is not only a tool of oppression. Because yes, in fact, you know, I would go further and say this: the notion of exploitation is bullshit. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most exploit. You know, this idea that labor. You know, first of all, the labor theory of value is yeah. specious, to, to put it mildly. And for various reasons, I think it's de demonstrable that some value does not inhere in the object by virtue of any amount of labor deposited in it. Yeah. Value is basically determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. Correct. And this makes everything make sense. There's no more exceptions anymore that have to be accounted for by yeah. intellectual property. Everything that Marxists have to come up with, all the addendums and all the appendages to their main argument, you know, all these adjustments and, uh, you know, axillary axioms and so forth, ancillary axioms, I'm sorry, are no longer necessary when you just realize that value is what people pay for it, that price and value are indistinguishable, and that the labor theory of value is nonsense. And, you know, without the labor theory of value, then, of course, the whole idea of exploitation falls to the ground. Because, yeah. really, people aren't being exploited unless they're slaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I do agree that people are underpaid and, and, and people... Yeah, there are underpaid people. Yeah, you know, so people could be underpaid. They, they could be, you know, treated in a very slave-like manner by their employers and, 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 and all this sort of stuff. And, and I, but I think that's an absence of property, right? Because when, yeah, that's right. when the working class has no choice except to work for a capitalist, if you want to put yeah. it that way, to survive, right. then that's when exploitation happened but if everybody had a piece of property which happened in like tribal societies and collectivist societies, so they don't have to work because they can go back to their tribal property it, it, it may not be rich but but they're not compelled to work where there's a monopoly of oppressive employers the, 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 the disparity between what the capitalist is able to sell a product for and what the laborer takes away from it is explicable in terms of the value that is placed on uh, uh, immediate rewards versus future rewards. Uh, yeah. I think this is what Mises points out very clearly. Right, right. And that is to say, the reason why you're willing to take less money today is because you're getting it today. Yeah, that's and it. that's the capitalist is deferring their uh, their realization of their of value to the future, and yeah. that's they're paying you for something that isn't sold today, but you're getting paid today for what's going to be sold in the future. That's right. That's right. And the difference between what you get and what you produce is explicable in terms of 
the immediacy of its right. Uh, exactly. It's, it's almost like a security discount or something. Yeah, it's the same thing as why, why do you get charged interest when you, uh, when you borrow money? Yeah. The reason you're charged interest is because you're getting the money today yeah. as opposed to waiting for it in, in, in your paycheck or elsewhere I was getting it. So you pay interest because you're able to get something today that you uh, wouldn't otherwise have today. Yeah. And it's, it, it's an economic axiom that present tense uh, uh, value is greater than future tense value. I mean, just it's a very sim simple idea. Now, I I, I, I want to return to to the implications of of your analysis in in this thing um, in this Google Archipelago because I think it's very important what what we're we're touching on here because so we're seeing crony capitalism and state socialism is very similar. We're yes. seeing the kind of a radical left and radical right um, individualist kind of uh, freedom. Uh, individual individualists or individual yeah. uh, those who proffer or promote I'm sorry not proffer but rather promote and hold to individual rights as supreme yes yeah uh, so so it, it can be similar and then you know and, and so you have this weird thing of of I don't know what we want to call that Hillary left right um, yeah and that that sort the of libertarian uh, left yeah so money that, left you know because you know, I was asked once, what's the difference between these leftists here, you know, Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton leftists, and your leftists who are basically, you know, marginalized or consider themselves subordinated or whatever. The difference is power, money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, that's the big difference. <laughs> right, so, I mean, so Hillary Clinton was on The View the other day with Chelsea, and they were talking about how, you know, they loved traveling with John McCain on must have been Jeffrey Epstein's plane. I don't know. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean? <laughs> but, you know they love taking, you know, so they're all together. It's the uniparty. Yeah. It's what Pat Buchanan called the war party and all this kind of stuff. And then yeah. you have these left-wing people, you know, unfortunately, I, the term useful idiots just, yes, I can't avoid it, right? It, it's, it's the, so you have these people, these people on the ground who are, you know, social justice warriors being paid right. for by Soros defending corporations um, like know, and, free and, speech. And, and organizations like the NBA. That's right, yeah. Who, I, who are basically kowtowing to the most repressive regime, or at least the biggest repressive regime on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Who are putting people in concentration camps to this day. Yeah. And putting Muslims, and if you want to talk about Islamophobic, there's no greater Islamophobic state than the Chinese That's right. Communist Party-run state. Because they're, because they're in bed with Saudi Arabia. They're in bed with China, right? So, yeah. so, so they're in bed with these people. And the they're top. ideologically akin. They That's are right. birds of a feather. And, and so then they're funding all these SJWs who would maybe yes. be aghast at, at that stuff. But then they have to make all these 1984 double-think kind of things in their head to to try to justify the they have, they're wrapped in the they're they're they're, they're ideologically in pretz they're pretzels they're ideological yeah. pretzels these people and, and they are and in so, so they will now justify that facebook has the right to shut you down because it's private yeah, they're, they're fine with that these people this left is just fine with deplatforming, with expunging individual yeah. rights of those who are on their opponents 
which and which is the exact opposite but but if if they were but it's the exact opposite of the civil rights struggle because if they denied black people you know uh you know rights to eat sandwiches on the counter thank you, for, thank you for pointing that out they're an anti-civil rights movement yeah they are anti-civil rights. Now, it's the so-called dominant whose rights they would like to remove, right. but they're still anti-civil rights. Correct. In effect. I mean, fundamentally, right. they're anti-civil rights. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so, that, so we have this, this weird alignment that's being yeah. masked by our inappropriate language, I would say. You know? <laughs> but but, but you're, uh, you know, you're, you're hitting on it in, in your book, right? But, yeah. but we, we don't have the language to describe what is going on, who are the enemies, who are, you know, and, and so as you said, with identity politics, the people who are against the, the war machine, who are against corporatism, who are against, you know, the all powerful state are being divided, right? So, so the people on, the, on the, the progressive left, the radical left part, they're, you know, saying, oh, those guys are alt-right racists, nationalists, yeah. and the people on the right are saying, oh, well, those guys are socialists and communists. And yeah, so then you have the uh, battle within uh, feminism of the so-called TERFs versus the, you know, the pro-trans uh, uh, yeah. feminists, you know. That's right. This is a, a very little known, uh, by the way. Nobody on the right knows about this, okay, right. apparently, is that yeah. the so-called trans-exclusionary radical feminists who, who object to the domination, in effect, a new form of patriarchal power yeah. in the form of transgenderism. <laughs> These are people that are now getting men to take over women's spaces, women's sports, women's colleges, women's scholarships, yeah. women's everything. People with penises are running feminism. That's right. That's Let me right. say this again. People with penises <laughs> are running feminism. That's right. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. I, 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 I'll tell you. Oh, yes, but the penis doesn't mean anything. That's I'm right. Sorry. has nothing to do with being a man. It's not connected to chromosomes. It's not connected to, to hormones. It's not connected to genetics and genes yeah. and evolutionary history. It's not connected to anything. It's a free-floating signifier. That, That's that right. You cut off at will. Yes, right. Cool. Right, and the, 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 the Google archipelago that you're talking about is, is enforcing this. So if you say this, if yes. I say this, then we are shut down. That's right. We are deviating from the orthodoxy, and that is enough to get you depersoned de de or unpersoned. Yeah. Yeah. Unpersoning is their, is their main final, uh, you know, it's to, the, to, to this point, we don't know how much further we'll go. I mean, they're That's right. already using digital fences in China in smart cities, which keep dissidents or others from certain activities. They can't go outside of certain perimeters. They can't. They're using it, of course, with the, uh, with the Muslims there who can't move at all. In some cases, yeah. they actually put Chinese people into their homes to yeah. surveil upon them. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, you know, to make sure they're not doing anything radical. Yeah. So, and, and the digital fences are being erected around in the West as well, I think. They're starting to insinuate these digital fencing into, and what I'm getting at here, for example, the, the travel bans that have put on, 
have been put on right, so-called right-leaning people who can't enter countries now, like yeah. Gavin McGuinness, who can't enter, I think it's Australia, and Milo Yiannopoulos, who can't enter Australia, and Laura Loomer, who can't get into the UK. And then even like Airbnb youth. are denying uh, yeah. these people, so they can't even travel within the country. And bankers, banks are starting to consider, are actually starting to, do, you know, throw people out of their accounts, abolishing their accounts based on their political views. Yeah, and same with, and PayPal's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, they're doing it, of course. Right. Uh, this is an authoritarian leftist corporatism. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the right word, I think. Corporate doesn't necessarily mean capitalist. It's the main issue with right. corporatism, not the profit motive. It's the corporate nature of it. Corporate yeah. means collective. That's right. So these corporatists. That's right. There's their term. There's our term. We have I, think so. I think so. I, 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 I think if that's they, it. People can understand the, a denotation as opposed to a connotation. If people would understand that there's denotative language, you know, usage rather. Yeah. I'm using a corporatist in the, in the denotative sense, and that is corporatist is about the body composed of a collective, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's really what they are. They're corporatists. Some of them are capitalists and some of them aren't. Yeah. Some of them believe themselves to be socialists, but they're, they're, they're actually bolstering the corporate capitalist agenda. I'd say people like uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Ocasio-Cortez and the whole Democratic uh, Party that's now quote-unquote socialist they're just they're just dupes they're yeah. unwitting dupes yeah. spreading an ideology that actually benefits these corporatists yeah and and then what's amazing so i i i think that that that's a great uh, a, a, a great description and and language we're developing for the for the political struggle and then you're identifying how the um the important the central role that technology and big tech has in this by yes. creating this matrix and the way now you i i've, I've seen you, you've talked about and it's a brilliant insight and and examples you use about how this is bleeding into real life too like siri you you had this example of you yeah. said an inappropriate word to siri and siri <laughs> you know, i was chided out of the blue <laughs> by an ai bot okay <laughs> and this was all going on at the same time that the social justice bots in my department were attacking me so yeah. I thought oh my god I'm this is really what put the two together in my mind yeah. that's why I wrote this book uh, I thought oh my god they are the same they're <laughs> just they're just different types of robots with the same ideology and they're all coming out <laughs> at the same time I'm being chided by AI bots as yeah. I'm being attacked by so-called humanoid bots uh, you know and uh, they're all they're all attacking me simultaneously. That's right. And, and, and there's this, uh, this alt-right meme that I think is very, very useful, right? I mean, people on the left. NPC? And, and, yeah, the NPC. You know, where yeah. you just down, because, you know, yesterday, um, you know, al-Nusra is bad. Today, al-Nusra al is good. Yesterday, Turkey yeah. is, is uh -huh. good. Today, Turkey is bad. So you have to get the new NPC download. Yeah, right. And NPC meant non- uh, non-player non-playing character yeah right? non-playing characters in, yeah. A, in a video in a gaming setting uh yeah. so yeah they're a, a nondescript absolutely new, neutral neutral looking absolutely 
yeah. And, and, and I think it's like you could talk to them in the game and they'll have like maybe four or five things they'll say. And over and over. Yeah. First, it sounds like you're talking to a real person, but later on, you realize they're programmed to say the same things over and over. And it's not just real like, person. just like this left, uh, these leftists we're talking about who exactly. on the internet, as I said in the book, I don't know if this is people you've seen, you apparently have read the book. And that's, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, in the book, I say that these, you, these, these people in Twitter, the Twitter mobs and all the Twitter mobs and all that, they, they aren't technologies per se, but they may as well be because they act as predictably as any technology. That's right. Exactly. And so, so it's, it's, a, it's amazingly Baudrillardian. Yes. <laughs> I mean, isn't this crazy the way then, um, you know, we can take leftist notions. I don't know what to call Baudrillard. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Because they were against the communists, right? They were, they were was, actually post-communists. This is what people don't get. That's right. Foucault yeah. was against Althusser and against the Communist Party. Yes, All these people. Because right. every, everybody in the French Academy was a member of the Communist Party. But I, I think Foucault's notion of panopticism is also invaluable in this context. And governmentality, uh, you use that. Yes, for governmentality. That the, that the corporations are behaving... Uh, As governmental... Yeah. Ancillaries are governmental apparatus. Right, in a Foucauldian way. Yeah. yeah. So all of that's there. So, I mean, it's... And yet, maybe that's why the leftists... And it's, I don't know, it's not that bad yet, but uh, I noticed that there's this contingent of leftists coming at me about this trying to make my book look like it's some sort of conspiratorial nutcase nonsense yeah. when it's very analytical. I think you, you yeah. would agree. It's, it's not, I'm not talking about conspiracies. Well, they may be conspiracies, but I have, <laughs> they're yeah. well documented and uh, well traced yeah. and well tracked and well uh, supported arguments about certain types of uh, uh, collectivist ideas and, and behaviors. Yeah, it's like maybe um, the idea of it's like digital corporatism. It's like yes. digital corporate totalitarianism. Digital like, collectivism, or as I call it in the book, digital Maoism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, yeah, but I think if I called it digital corporatism or di digital collective corporatism, that might actually cover the panoply of everything. Yeah, I think, I think people on the left. Yeah. yeah. I think allies on the left would come on board and allies on the right. I, I really think, uh, in, in thinking of politically, of making an actual movement out of this, I, I think we need to get the dissident right and dissident left together because we're actually, we're actually fighting. We're not that far from each other in, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Uh, we have a common enemy. And they're our, they have declared themselves our enemy. We're not declaring them. They've declared us their enemy. So That's therefore... Right. They are enemies by virtue of that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think your, your book is really important in, in that sense. In, in if anything, it'll start a conversation, I hope, you know, yeah. like the one we're having here. And exactly. I'm not saying it's the, the be all and end all of this conversation, it's a conversation starter, I think. Yeah, because real, as you said in your preface, I mean, because reality is changing. So I, as you're writing it, <laughs> as you're writing, new, new developments are happening. Because, right. because it, it, it was primarily, you know, it, it could justifiably, justifiably have been seen as a left attack on the right. As, yes. as, as, you know, values on the left versus values on the right. But right. now we're seeing that it's 
corporate it's really it's corporatism yeah uh it's corporatism, it's corporatism and, and it's different forms coming together yeah in a kind of strange set of bedfellows right yeah uh, you know you have really people like sanders and the types that follow him in effect bolstering the cause of the corporatist left that's right that's right and and then and what you have are real um I, I don't know if you want to call it, well, real dissidents like Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, yeah I think she's a dissident for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and she is not, and, and the system is coming down on her, right? So, oh, I mean, every dissident is crushed or they yeah. try to crush them, yeah. So she's reached pretty far for, for what she, but, but, but she's always, you know, uh, Putin's puppet, Russian asset, uh, Assad's puppet. You know, I mean, so every time they introduce her, yeah. they have to label her, label her, label her. It's, it's, you know. Yeah, and they're saying that she's presenting trumping and arguments within the Democratic Party setting, and they're condemning her for that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But but, but it, it it's a yeah. They're saying like she's she's yeah she's like a Trump mole, and but it's right. amazing how both her and Andrew Yang are, are getting Trump supporters a, along with them. So, so we see there's this real on-the-ground movement of people on the left and right who are instinctively, they understand that Trump, Tulsi, uh, uh, Andrew Yang, uh, they are, there's something common in them. That the, the mainstream news network, that the university, the academia the, the fake news the fake academia will say right. that these people are opposite but but people are instinctively recognizing there, there's a there's a battle that we don't have a language for yet and that mm-hmm. and all the identity politics and all that is separating us all the left- yeah, oh yeah it's it's being used as a huge lever yeah uh, I, I mean they're just using identity types as power levers right yeah using you know they just take these people and they they effectively use them as wedges in order to drive through and then you know they're kind of uh i don't know how to put it exactly they take these identity types as a kind of they're, they're human hostages if you will they're yeah you they're human shields is really what that's they are. right that's right uh, you take them as human shields and they use them to deflect away from their agenda and they so-called they're supposedly you know promoting the interests of these different identity categories, and they hide behind these identity categories while they push through. Yeah, uh, and, and it's it's so much like like you know the the illegal immigration argument and stuff because that is a program of cheap labor promoted by oh, the the, the corporations, absolutely. and then they. Uh, and it's yeah, and then they use this caring rhetoric, you know, so people put on their front yards, hate is no home here, you yeah. know, and, uh, you know, or something to the effect, I forget what one of the signs was basically saying, you know, everybody's welcome here or something. Okay, yeah. so, I mean, where are the immigrants on your front porch? Why are, are no tents pitched in your backyard? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but these people are actually unwitting dupes of the corporatists who globalists who want to have cheap labor and no restrictions on the, its movement exactly now you know i i know it's sometimes unfair to ask of analysts 
you know, for solutions, you know, people, 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 you know, try to do that and push you. And, and I, I do think it's unfair. I think the analysis is, is as important as the solution because the right analysis implies your solution right there. Yeah. Right. So, but, but from your analysis and the discussion, what do you think we can do actually to, to fight this? Well, we have to produce, well, I say this in the book, we have to produce truth-based counter narratives continuously. Uh, we have to keep countering the simulacrum or the simulation, which is trying to be fobbed, fobbed, on, uh, fobbed off on us as reality. We have to continue to fight it with empirically sound, uh, truth-based narrative. Yeah, uh, that's the big. Yeah. That's the big. You know, overarching. That's right. Uh, and you know what? That that's such an important insight. It goes back to Orwell. Orwell said that's that was what distinguished all totalitarianism: the control of the truth, erasing yes. the past, um, erasing of the news, erasing past, changing language to to describe things so that uh, you know the ball's never it's never clear what we're dealing with. Constantly uh, controlling language, controlling usage, uh, yeah. changing the definitions of words. Uh, constantly producing assimilations of reality and false narratives as the official narratives. That's right. And then um, changing that narrative at will. And, and we have to be able to keep up <laughs> with, with whatever the, the arbitrary uh, new ideology is today. Yeah. So. That's, that's number one. And then, you know, in more specific cases, there, there are things we can do, I think, that should be done uh, to com combat the kind of... Uh, you know, partisan or differential or um, discriminatory, really, practices by virtue of mass uh, class action lawsuits uh, right. against big digital uh, principles. Yeah. I think there has to be a, you know, some class action lawsuits for discrimination. Uh, and especially since it's, 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 it can be, it's demonstrable that these organizations, in particular Google, since they were funded by the CIA in Intel in the first place, uh, you know, they, are, they were funded by the CIA. Yeah. They are a state apparatus, and therefore they should not be allowed to be discriminatory as they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like this old civil rights struggle. It really is. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a civil rights struggle taking on a digital shroud. Yeah. I mean, would you like to see the breakup of the companies or regulation? I'm not going to argue for that because uh, I think it would be hypocritical of me since I, I'm suggesting I'm not anti-capitalist. Right. I don't think we should punish success. We should not allow <coughs> state-supported monopolization. And if, that's, if we can show, you know, through antitrust violation, Mm -hmm. And I think that is important, but breaking things up just because they're big is mm -hmm. not principled. It's not a principled stance. It's just rhetorically sounds good. It's a, you know, it's the kind of garbage that people like uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, mm -hmm. promulgate. It's garbage. It's, it, it, the, the key, I think, is to have a principled stand against monopolies, against uh, unfair advantages based on state support, state funding, uh, and collusion between the state and these organizations, you know, because they're serving the state's surveillance functions so well, they get preferential treatment but, for doing so. They're ingratiating. 
from a pure free market perspective, though, monopoly capitalism is the antithesis of. of yes, that's right. So monopoly capitalism or dirty capitalism, as the uh, Austrian school would refer to it. Yeah. Austrian school of economics. It's dirty capitalism has to be combated. And, um, and then, um, you know, I would say, you know, really the true resistance is the resistance of this kind of uh, collectivist uh, bot behavior. Yeah. Uh, and to be truly human, we have to continue to That's right. tell the truth of the whole human, you know, the whole human saga rather than these kind of, uh, you know, plug and play rhetoric that is being used yeah. by this contingent, right? Yeah, that, that's very important to be truly human. You know, I think that's the underlying message of the kind of dystopian novels, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, uh, you know, 1986. Yeah, that's right. It's the curtailment that, of human being. Yeah, because the, 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 the contradictory, imperfect human yeah. is the important thing. Yeah, no. absolutely. And that's why I preserve the individual as the key. The true minority is the individual. Uh, and I do believe that it sounds cliche, but everybody is absolutely unique. Yeah. Even twins, uh, every, everybody, because of their experience is always different. So I believe in the absolute uniqueness of the person. Yeah. And that has to be protected. That's the true minority. And uh, that has to be preserved above all else because there are no rights other than that, than, than individual rights. And there are no humans other than individual humans. The, everything else is a false abstraction produced by collectivist thinking absolutely now i ju just to kind of follow up on on the last discussion to to, to round it off um, yeah because i know we, we have to go but you know how, how have you been forging ahead since you know you were you know attacked and effectively forced out of new york university and, and so you've been attacked by this you know by the very machine you're describing yeah the, the very corporate machine. I'm working ahead through my own writing and uh, um, you know I, I don't know if you're referring to like my economic status or my kind of yeah you know like like um, I mean I know you're doing things with Von Mises right and yeah and stuff like I mean that. I, I do I'm trying to you know produce a career out of my own resources and my own writing but it's very difficult I'm yeah. not struggling but you know I'm not in any dire situation but uh, I probably need to get some sort of a media job, some or or another academic job in a in a non-discriminatory university, if there's any left. Yeah, uh, and that and, may have to be like a Christian university, or I, I don't I mean, know. There's like, strangely enough, the most libertarian places now are Christian universities. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I would probably have more liberty at Liberty University than anywhere else. That's right. That's you know. Ironically enough, because you know they were supposedly the old authority, cultural authoritarians was the, the religious right. Well, that's that's gone. I mean, that's right. are, anybody that's still living under that model or belief is just out of it. I mean, and I still run across some people like that. Yeah. They're it, wrong. Isn't there? A, it seems like there's a lesson there, isn't? Isn't it that uh, like how the right was the kind of authoritarian? Yeah. Uh, and then now it's turned against the right, and the left became the authoritarian. Yeah. And now we're seeing it's turning against some people on the left. You know. Yeah. Well, what has to be turned against is authoritarianism itself. That's right. You know, and not left or right, but authoritarianism. You know. That's right. And that's what I've been trying to get across. 
because I never leave it open to just leftism per se. I think it's really authoritarian leftism is the enemy. That's and, right. Uh, so yeah, as for me, you know, I would, you know, if there's anybody amongst your li listeners that could endow a professorship for me so that I could actually <laughs> do real research without being under the um, gun of, you know, yeah. direct torture and uh, trammeling. Uh, yeah, do so, please. But uh, yeah, I, I, until then, I'll just soldier on. Yeah, yeah. I, I sympathize with you. I, I, I know what it's like. So, but uh, so, um, you, but you, you do have, you, you were talking about some of your plans. Um, uh, you're going to be working on a sequel. Yes, I'm going to be working on a sequel with uh, with Zach Voris uh, on uh, a sequel to Google Archipelago, kind of more of a uh, a field manual as opposed to the, you know, the Google Google Archipelago is the is a theoretical and also a kind of a broad analytical argument. Uh, the 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 next book that we're going to follow up with is going to be more like a field manual uh, and a and a, a compendium and an analysis of uh, of uh, the whole terrain without getting into the politics of it in an overarching sense. I was trying to fit this Google Archipelago into a broad historical you know, context. So I don't have to do that. I've done that one. Now it's time to do something more, uh, more like a field manual and a kind of a, a kit, you know, for, you know, for uh, the real resistance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, excellent, excellent. Well, I want to thank you very much, not only for the interview today, but really for all your work, for your determination, for your intelligence and insight and, and your persistence in the face of persecution. You know, you're really doing important work. I encourage everybody to get the Google Archipelago. Take, um, you know, it's important analysis of, of really what's going on and how we we need to understand what's the, the real oppression that's going on in the society right now from corporatism. And yes. uh, I wish you all the best and every you. success in your struggles ahead. Thanks for pushing the discussion. My forward. pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. We got into some very interesting stuff. It's not always that I do this and uh, get to these places. And I really appreciate the opportunity. And thank you for being a great host. Thanks. Well, that's all for Independent Thought and Freedom this week. Please join us again next week. And in the meanwhile, make sure you subscribe, leave me a rating, like, and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks, and bye for now.